the love of God, do you think about the love of God that much? It's one of the most powerful things that you can tell somebody is that God loves them. And you're going to hear people, God can't love me and all of that. But if we really understand the love of God <laughs> and how powerful it is, we can tell people God loves them. And then we can go into the gospel message on top of, on top of why God loves them. So, um, Lord, we ask you to bless this time as we open your word. We're going to ask you to lead and show us what you'd want us to see from this. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 21, starting at verse 5, the, the whole chapter of Luke 21 basically talks about the end times. We're going to be in this chapter for five weeks, or excuse me, three weeks. <laughs> so breaking this up in a, in a few pieces. So starting at verse 5, going through verse 8. And as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, as for these things which you behold, the days will come in which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be, will, will there be when these things shall be come to pass? And he said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draws near. Go you not after them. So we're going to stop there because there's quite a bit just in this section. Jesus has been preaching. We've been going through this, this uh, section. And Jesus is preaching in the temple. All right. If you remember last week, we had the big diagram about this. He's in the court of the, court of the women at this time, which means that that was not just for women, but it was where the last place the women could go to, we talked about. And the people are looking at when Jesus is saying, just look around and see this beautiful temple. See all the gold and, the, and all the wood and all this stuff in there. And they're trying to point to Jesus about all that man had done for God. Now, as we look at this, I think about how many times do we as people start looking at and saying, God, look at all the stuff that we have done for you. And for many churches, it's not the temple anymore. It is look at all the works we're doing for you. We've got this mission to the homeless. We've got this mission to, the, to feed the poor. We've got... We've got all these things going on and there's nothing wrong with those things as long as they're bringing glory to God and not trying to bring glory to us. And, you know, there's one particular show I listen to and I get the only thing I don't like about it is because they keep bringing glory to themselves for all the work that they've been doing and how long they've been doing, doing the work. And I know they do a great work and God is blessing them greatly, but I wish they would just stop glorifying themselves <laughs> because the people of Israel were looking at and saying, and they raised the temple almost above God in his word. You know, when Jesus' day and even back in Jeremiah's day and Isaiah's day, they're going, God will never destroy Israel because this is where the temple's at. This is where God dwells in the temple. They would raise that temple to their, to their God. They'd, they were violating the first and second commandments. They had made a God before God and it was the temple. And we as Christians oftentimes do the same things. You know, we're going, God, I go to church, you know, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times, depending on your church. <laughs> you know, here we can say, God, I go to church four days a week. Wonderful. That's great. Are you going to glorify God and get fed? Or are you going there just to say, I went to church every day? I went to a church that if you wanted to go to every service, you'd have to go there about 28 times a week because it was that large and they had things going more. You know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and, and nights, and everything else. So you'd have to be at church almost 100% of the time to be able to go to everything. And, you know, 
But this whole thing was that Jesus, they're looking at this and they're going, look at what we have. We come to the temple and many of these people, yes, there were people who worshiped God at the temple. There were some that just went to the temple to say, hey, I went to temple. Now, God says I had to be there three times a year. So I went three times a year and I did my offerings and I gave my tithes and I did this. And I saw that beautiful temple and God, you should be happy that that I served you. And we need to be very careful as Christians. Are we serving God to serve him or so that we can look good? And it's easy to try to serve him to look good. God, I'm doing all this stuff. Uh, I go to all the special events. I go to all these things and I do all these things. But the real question is, why? You know, I, we talk about Bible through every year. And I think it's a wonderful thing to do and I think everybody should do it. But the question is, why are you reading through the Bible every year? Are you reading it through to grow spiritually by reading the Bible? Or are you just saying it so that at the end of the year you go, hey, I made it another year. I got another Another check mark on there. You know, I remember when I was younger, we had some people, especially some of the senior adults, they used to give out perfect attendance awards for Sunday school. And there were little pins. And then they little, put little chains down for each year that you had, uh, had extra ten. I, there were some guys who had chains down like this because <laughs> they had never missed a day of Sunday school. Now, I'm not sure, and I'm not trying to put it, but were they being this perfect so they could have their little chain of, perfect attendance or were they actually there to worship God and learn about God and I'm not judging them on it but I do know many of them were very proud of their perfect attendance awards all right and is it not is it a good thing or bad thing no I think perfect attendance is great I think everybody should be perfect attendance in church and Sunday school but the question is why are you doing it and I'm glad they got rid of these pins that I haven't seen one in many 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 decades now but you know and they were a way to get people to come, I guess. You know, and, and the idea was if I get them to come, then they'll hear the message and maybe the message will get through their head. And, and I have an agreement that that's a good idea. Reading the Bible is a wonderful thing. Even if you're doing it for the wrong reason, God's word does not return void and it will <laughs> you will grow from it. But these people in Jesus' day were looking around the temple and see, see how beautiful this temple is. Look at all the, the ornate... Uh, gifts we've given to God and how wonderful it looks and we've given him money for this and all this stuff and trying to impress Jesus with how beautiful the building was that they had raised up to above God you know and I've shared with you I went to a Jewish synagogue one time and they brought out the scriptures the Pentateuch they unlocked a cabinet in the front they pulled out the scroll which had a nice cover on it they paraded it up one aisle, around the back and down the aisle, and everybody's reaching out and praising it, and, I'm, and I had two thoughts on it. I'm going, if these people are truly worshiping the God of the Word, this is wonderful. But my impression was that they were worshiping the actual book and the paper that was on it, the, the, you know, rather than what was being written on it. And I'm going, I don't know these people that well, but my heart was grieved because I didn't feel that they were worshiping the God of the Word they were worshiping the word. And I've met even Christians. I know, I know one person, she will not throw away a Bible that's falling apart because the Bible is so special. <laughs> the actual paper and ink is so special, she cannot get rid of it. And I kind of understand that on one side, but by the same token, this, this book itself is not the important thing. <laughs> the words written in the book <laughs> are what's important. And so we want to keep this in mind as we're looking at God's word, what are we raising up? Are we raising God up or are we raising our service, our things, 
things given to him. I've met people that, you know, and I've shared with you at times, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the South. I've seen it more in the South than anywhere else. The churches have plaques everywhere. Given in honor of so-and-so. Given in honor of so-and-so. Given in honor of so-and-so. And I'm going, okay, are you given to God or are you given into your own honor? You know, it kind of irritates me you know, when I see those things because it's like, why did they give? You know, so they could have recognition 100 years later because some of them were that old in some of those churches. The plaques were 100, 150 years old because the churches are that old. And it's like, okay, I don't even know who this person is, but everybody knows their name because they gave money to put a wall up or a, a pew in or a, or a picture up or something. And heaven help you if you try to take that out because it's got their name on it. And it's like, okay, are we serving God or are we serving man? And this is what the Jews were telling Jesus. You know, hey, just look around you. See this beautiful building. See this gorgeous thing that we have got, that we come to. And they really were getting to the place where they worshiped the building rather than what God was doing. And I've seen this happen in big, especially big ornate churches. Look how beautiful our church is. Or have a church that has a huge, huge orchestra and and. and band behind them and singers and they do a very professional show and everything is so professional and it's wonderful to hear professional music in a church but you know they and then they start going what wasn't that band great wasn't that band wonderful you know well hold it were they worshiping god or were they worshiping the band i went to a church one time and i thought it was in a rock concert they had a smoke machine going on the lights were flashing on and off and it was dark and what little i could see of the people they were not worshiping they were all mesmerized by the band and I'm going, what are we doing here? Yes, that might draw a crowd of people, but is it, is it drawing people to Christ? This is what happened to these people. They were trying to impress Jesus with, look at this building. What was Jesus' answer? He goes, this building's coming down. Very soon, this whole building is coming down. Everything that you're looking at is not going to be, be worth anything. And I've seen this over the years. I've been with God for a long time, and I've watched programs come and go. You know, it's really amazing to me how many churches will, will be working with God, and they're, they're honest in what they want to do. God gives them a plan for witnessing or evangelizing or worship or whatever it might be. And what do they do because it works? They start packaging it up and selling it to other churches. And none of those other churches ever do as good with their plan. It's good. Some of them are very good plans. Don't get me wrong. They're good programs. But, you know, our job is not to follow a program for God. It is to worship God and let him lead. You know, and I've, this is one of the reasons sometimes you guys get a little irritated with me at times because I change up all the music and the order of the music and the songs we sing and how we sing them. Why? Because I don't want us to get into a program. I can tell you right now, if you go to the average Baptist church, you're going to have a prelude coming in when you're coming being played on a piano or an organ. You're going to sing two hymns. You're going to have an announcement. You're going to have special music. You're going to have a preaching service. And then you're going to have your closing music. 90% of all Baptist churches, that's your, that's your order of, of service. And heaven help you if you try to change that order up in, that, in those churches. Oh, they will go ballistic. Because you changed the, this is the only way you can worship uh, idea. I never want to see us get to that place where we're so used to something that this is the only way that you can do something because that doesn't let God lead. I love it when I've gone to some churches and you know what? You know, people get it kind of strange because the pastor gets up and speaks before anything happens. And then might have music, might not have music. 
Now, I don't think I'll, I'll ever be happy with a church that does nothing but music for the whole service. I think the word of God has to be delivered in a service, but that's me. <laughs> that having a time where the pastor speaks the whole time, that would not bother me. You know, but what are we looking at? Are we so fixated on the way things are done that we cannot let the Holy Spirit work? You know, and this is a problem with many churches out there. There are churches out there that if you're not singing songs like the ones we ended with on the videos where the bands are playing and there's lots of noise and everything, then you're not worshiping God. There's other churches, if, you're not, if you play those type of musics, oh, you're not worshiping God. How can, you, how can you have all those instruments in? And our church isn't like that, and I'm, you know, and I'm thank, thankful of that. But there's so many people that get stuck on this is the way you do worship. Now, and I don't want to ever see that happen. I want the Holy Spirit to be working all the time. And Jesus said, this building that you're so proud of, it's coming down. And their first question is, when will these things happen? And what will the signs be that they're going to happen? All right. So the first question was, oh, our whole program is going to fall apart. Uh, when's that going to happen? Well, sooner than they thought. And then what are the, what are the signs going to be? The Jewish people always were looking for signs. What is the proof that this is going to happen? What is the proof that this is, this is going to be? Jesus is doing all kinds of signs in front of the people with healings and, and resurrections and, and great messages. And people are going, well, we just haven't quite seen enough to know that you're from God. I don't know how much more they would have needed. But I also don't want to judge them because if we were back there in their day, we probably would have been in the same thing. You know, I, I love it when people go, you know, well, those Jewish people, they, re, you know, they got rescued out of Israel, out of Egypt uh, with the 10 plagues. And, and I, if I was one of them, I would not have been murmuring seven days after I got out of Egypt about no water. Yeah, we would have been murmuring just like everybody else because we do it already. If God doesn't do things the way we want to, and what's the first thing we do? Why God? Why God are you doing things this way? Because this is not the way I would do it, God. So why are you, why are you making us thirsty for seven days? Why, why are you sticking us out here at Mount Sinai for a year when we just left Israel and we're supposed to be going to a promised land? You know, we do this all the time ourselves. You know, we look at these Bible stories because we know the end and go, we would not have done it. Well, if we weren't at the end, we would have done just what they did. You know, we would have been just like the disciples when they're walking with Jesus. They had a problem. The disciples had a problem. They're following the Messiah. Their definition of the Messiah was one that was going to raise up a government who was going to make Israel the center of all, all the world trade and, and government. And they're not seeing Jesus raise up an army. They're not seeing him raise up a government position. They're not seeing him make, put out a game plan for, for all of this stuff. And they have a problem. We're following the Messiah. He says he, he's told us that he's Messiah. What is going on here? And they had a lot of grumbling at times. What's going on? What, you know, when, is he going to, when is he going to build this army? When is he going to start training an army? These people all want to kill him, and he's talking about dying. They did not understand, and we would have been in the same place from their same position. And we do get that way oftentimes. We think that certain things are true, and we get stuck on what, is, what we think is true. And we need to be very careful to listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, I love end-time study, eschatology. I love end-time study. I do. But, you know, it scares me sometimes when I listen to people who are teaching it because they are so dogmatic on what they teach. 
I've been studying it for almost 50 plus years, almost the entire time I've been a Christian. I can't, won't count it from 10 to about 15, but from that on, I've been studying eschatology. You know, and I have heard their dogmatic positions change so much over that time. Why? Because they're talking about the future. I can tell you one thing I know, and we're going to be talking a lot about it, it's going to keep getting worse. People are going to be doing what's right in their own eyes. They're going to be turning what God says is good into bad and bad into good, and we're seeing all of that happen. We're going to see wars and rumors of wars. We're going to see all these things going on. All the stuff we are seeing tells me that we are at the end days. Now, does that mean that we're at the end days? God could have a miracle happen. He could do a great revival. He told Israel in the days of Josiah that they were going to be destroyed and Josiah brought a great revival around and God says, okay, not in your day. We don't know. Now, I agree that we are at the end days. I expect Jesus to return for the rapture any time now and get, take us home. But you know what? We could have a revival and it could be another 50, 60 years. And people go, well, that can't that can happen. Well, you know what? If you study the history of revivals, every time somebody says things are so bad, God can't do anything, they have a revival and God stretches out time, you know, in the repentance. Every single time. If you look back at the revival of the Wesley brothers or Moody or Billy Sunday, everybody's going, things are so bad that we're, we're at the end days and there's no hope for this for, for us. And God sends an evangelist into, you know, some great, great revival and says, okay, I'm just going to show you who I am. So I'm not going to say it's impossible. I say we're primed for the end days. We've got a artificial intelligence which can put us in there. We've got the digital currencies that are coming. We have everything set up for the end days. I don't think we're going to go much further. But you know what? I'm man. God's thoughts are much higher than my thoughts. He understands things a whole lot better than I do. I take his word for what I see and going, okay, I'm prepared for today. And as I've told everybody, and it, you know, I learned it long time ago, we are to be ready for him to come today and plan as if he's not coming in our lifetime. Because we don't know what he has planned. We are to be ready always to go home. Always. You know, and this is so important for us, you know. I believe the rapture is just around the corner. There may be a day that we're not going to make it out of church or make it home or wherever we're going because we're going to go home. And you know what? I'm looking forward to that day. You know, if that was to happen right now, it would not hurt my feelings. Amen. You know, it would not hurt my feelings to go home right now. But I'm also making plans to keep ministering and keep talking to people and keep sharing the gospel with everybody because there's still, there are people that I want to see go to heaven. You know, uh, now, I agree with Paul. My family and my friends, I all know that I'm a Christian and I've talked to them about Christ, so I am not worried about them saying, well, you never told me. Now, has everybody I ever come in contract with? No, that's not true. But all my, all my family and all my friends know where I stand and where we're at and how to go to heaven. And they are free of their blood, as Paul said. They know. We need to be ready for anything. Jesus said, it is coming. This temple that you're putting all your hope in is not going to be there. Our programs that we put all our hope in may fall apart one day. We have been so blessed to live in America where we have religious freedom and we can meet in church. But you know, during COVID, we had a big problem, not so much in Arizona, but many of the states had a big problem. The churches were told you can't meet. 
and they bowed to the government instead of following God. Which very much distressed me that why are you guys letting the government tell you what you can and can't do when it comes to worshiping God? There may come a time in this country where we have to worship underground like the many of the communist nations do. Are we prepared ourselves for the idea that worship may look totally different in a decade from now, a year from now? We may not be able to come together and sing songs that people think are so important to, to worship. And I agree, worshiping in, in, in song is wonderful. It gets our spirit in place. But you know what? It's not the main point of a, of a worship. The worship is really worship around the word of God being delivered. And that we need to be careful that we're not setting ourselves up for programs. This is how you must do this. This is how you must worship. This is how you witness. You know, I've taken lots and lots of evangelism programs. I don't do any of them fully the way they're written. None of them. You know, I took one and it insisted you had to do it their way. And I'm saying, well, t sorry, I'm not going to, you know, you may have a really good program, but I'm not going to be part of your program. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I walked out. You know, I like the Romans Road. I like, I like the four spiritual laws. I like, you know, I like many of these different programs, but I don't do any of them completely the way they were written because I let the Spirit lead me to, to deal with them because I'm not going to get stuck in a program. You know, and we need to be careful that we're never getting into this idea of the program. And Jesus told them, he says, take heed, be careful, be discerning. In our day and age, we need to be discerning. We cannot just go into any church and open our minds up to accept what's being taught because there are lots of churches out there where the word of God is not taught. And we need to be careful. We need to be discerning. We need to be, as I've told you all, good Bereans, study. Now, even when I teach something, go check the scriptures out and make sure that I'm telling you the right things because I don't want anybody believing something just because I said so. Because I'm a good pastor, I hope, and I'm not going to teach you things that are wrong, but you know what? I'm human. I might just accidentally teach something that's wrong. My tongue may get tangled around my eye teeth and I might say the wrong things. <laughs> you might even hear the wrong thing. <laughs> I don't know. You know, when I would hear something in a church when it, before I was a pastor, I'd go to the pastor and go, you know, pastor, I thought I heard you say this. Is this what you said? Or is this what you meant? You know, being humble enough to say, you know, it probably was my fault, but is this what you really meant to say? You know, but we need to be careful. Are we really looking at the scriptures? Paul praised the Bereans because he says, you search the scriptures to prove what I said. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, was saying, Bereans, you did a great job checking out the scriptures. Going back and looking at the scriptures. Because I want everybody to be good Bereans in our church. You know, I've shared with you all, I go, you may not agree with me on some doctrinal issues, and you know what? I'm not bothered by that. Because if everybody agreed with me 100%, I'd be scared. We'd be having a cult here instead of a, a Christian church. And I don't want a cult. I want people to know what they believe. Now, I've also told you all I ask you to be able to do is tell me why you believe what you believe. Now, I've been walking with God for, for over 50 years, and I know pretty much if you tell me you don't agree with me and this is what you believe and, and you defend what you believe, I know what you're going to say. 
And the fact that I disagree with you is beside the point, just between you and God. But I know what you're going to say to defend what you, what you believe, and that's great. But you all know, all I ask is that you be able to tell me what you believe and why. Yeah. Be able to defend what you are. Be a good student of the word. Be ready to give an answer for what you believe. I can tell you why I believe what I believe. Real easy. I've struggled with lots of things in there. And I really am one that believes that you need to struggle with the word of God sometimes. You need to struggle with what do you believe and why do you believe it. One of the things that people who grow up with churches are, have a problem with is they have mom and dad's faith. They don't have their own faith. And at some point in their life, they need to struggle with, do I believe what I've grown up believing? You know, do I truly believe it? Why do I believe it? And we cannot have mom and dad's faith. This is why so many teenagers and young adults leave Christianity because when they finally get hit between the eyes with somebody who's disagreeing with them in high school or college, they've never struggled and, they, and they're going, what is going on? I don't, I don't know how to, how to believe this. I don't know how to follow this. I believe that we need to struggle. I need to, I, we need to understand why do we believe the word of God? Why do we believe Jesus rose from the dead? Why do we believe that, you know, certain things? And we need to be able to understand what it is we believe and why. And struggle with those. You know, I, I grew up and I had one person one time get upset that somebody asked, well, how do we know there's a God? And they asked it in church and the person goes, you can't ask that question in church. And I was a teenager at that time. Come over here and I'll talk with you about it because I, and I said it in front of the adult who told him they couldn't ask. And I'm going, we don't want them asking this outside of church because they're going to get the wrong answer. I was a little obnoxious when I was a teenager. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes I'm still obnoxious, but <laughs> I was really bad as a teenager. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, but I did believe this. If you can't ask hard Bible questions in church, where else are you going to ask them? You're going to ask them of your, your non-Christian teacher in school? You're not going to get a godly answer from them. You're going to ask it of your professor who doesn't believe in, in God or the Bible? You're not going to get a good biblical answer from them. We need to be ready to answer questions in church and encourage questions to be asked. And this is something that Jesus always did. He encouraged these. They're asking him, when will this happen? And he says, take heed and be not deceived. Do not be led astray. If we are good Bible students, we will not be led astray. Because when the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, when you hear something wrong, there should be alarm bells going off in your head saying, something's not right. You may not know what's right. And there's been times I listen to Christian radio a lot and, you know, there's been times I've been listening to a Christian, Christian uh, speaker and not really paying a whole lot of attention sometimes because it's just background music or background noise. And all of a sudden, everything in my body just tenses up and says, pay attention to what you, what's being put into your brain. And I start listening. I'm going, what in the world is this guy teaching? Now, there's some that I don't listen to at all. I turn them right off. But there, when it's somebody that I like usually and they say something like that, I'm going, oh, my goodness. I guess I've got to listen to this person a little closer. But the Holy Spirit in you will tell you when something's being taught wrong. Even if you don't know why, he will come and tell you. He'll sound the klaxons, you know, danger. You know, danger, be careful. And Jesus says, don't be led astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. 
Do not go after them. We have so many people over the two millennials since Jesus come that have claimed to be the Messiah. Claimed to be Messiah. Claimed to be God. And the sad thing is how many of them have really gotten a following, following them. You know, we have several cults that have been developed by people claiming they're the Messiah, they're God. We have so much has been done in the name of God over the years. The crusades were done in the name of, of God to go rescue the Middle East. It wasn't anything to do with that. Hitler did all that he did in the name of Christianity. We need to be very careful about who we're listening to, what we're following, and not be led astray. People can be so charismatic that we start looking at them, and we see them all the time. Many of our politicians are charismatic. If you watch them, they sound good, they look good, until you listen to what they say. And you listen to what they say and go, oh my goodness, how can anybody be following you? And there's been several of them, even in America over the last few years, where they sound good, they sound wonderful. They are very charismatic, they draw a crowd. Hitler was extremely charismatic. He, he drew crowds to him. You know, we've had many people, Stalin, all these people have had great charisma and drew crowds to them because they were drawn to the personality. There are churches in America that are drawn to the personality of the pastor rather than to the message. And it's very interesting. You go to one of those churches, and I'm not saying those pastors are necessarily bad. They're, some of them are good preachers. I went to one church. If the pastor wasn't there, you know, the church was standing room only, and if he wasn't there, half the people would be gone. Now, many of them went wherever he went. They followed him wherever he went. Others just, well, the pastor's not there. I'm not coming. Now, that happens in almost all churches, unfortunately. But, you know, but the more charismatic the pastor is, the more you see it. And the question is, who are you following? Are you following Christ or are you following the pastor? Now, I praise God that I've been here and we've seen great, great things happening, you know, but I always tell everybody the same thing. It's not me. God is just using me to, to teach his word. It could have been anybody up here. I don't want anybody following Pastor Ralph. That would, again, scare me. You know, yes, on one side, you know, I would agree with Paul. Follow me as I follow Christ. <laughs> But not to say just because. You know, because that puts the wrong person in the in place of God. That puts the temple and the prog program above God. And we don't want that. And sometimes there's nothing wrong with the program. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to blow away, away every program because some of those programs are good. But are we looking at the program or are we looking at God? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Jesus said this temple's coming down. And there's going to be false teachers. There's going to be these false teachers coming along and, and leading you astray. And you know, we're seeing more and more false teachers in this day. Because I do believe we're at the end days, you know, and I've said that already, and there have been a lot of false teachers. We have whole denominations that are leaving the Bible behind and doing what they want, following man. Now, I'm not going to say every single church in those denominations is bad. Unfortunately, when the denomination turns, the, the bulk of the churches go the wrong way. Even here in the Southern Baptist Convention, we are facing some big questions coming our way. They are starting to make some bad decisions or bringing up decisions that, are, that should never have been even dis considered and they're going to the floor for votes. And so far, they've been voted down. But I watch those very carefully because the day they start making the wrong decisions that are unbiblical, 
I'm not going to be part of the Southern Baptist anymore. Plain and simple. You know, I like the Southern Baptists. They got a lot of good things going for them. But you know what? There was a time when the Methodist Church, when the, when the Wesley brothers put it together, was a very strong evangelical church that believed in the gospel of God. They are making bad decisions now and doing everything anti-biblical. The Lutheran Church, one of the great churches started by the reformer Luther. You know, faith alone, grace alone. You can't recognize them for anything anymore as a, as a denomination. We need to be careful. When they start making decisions that are unbiblical decisions, the denomination is not what we follow. We follow the word of God. And this is the most important thing. God's word does not change. Man changes, theoretically. There's nothing new under the sun, but you know, they, change, they change some of what they, what they think, and they're going, you know, and you heard all that. Well, you, you just believe that, that old-fashioned Bible. You need to get in, get in step with the world. No, thank you. I'm going to stay out of step with the world and stay in step with God. God's word does not change. It does not change. And the more we hold on to his world, the word, <laughs> the more we will be out of step with the world. And you know what? That's good. Jesus was out of step with the world. He was out of step with the Jewish leaders who had put man's traditions above the word of God. And his being out of step led to him being crucified. What's going to happen to us? I don't think any of us are going to be crucified anytime soon. <laughs> but we may end up facing internment, maybe executions. You know, who knows what's going to happen as times get worse and worse. And we are the salt of the world. You know, and you think about this. What does salt do when it gets into a cut? It hurts. <laughs> We are salt to this world who is dying. We hurt the world. Whether we mean to or not, doesn't matter. Salt also heals the wound, but it hurts. We are the salt to this world. We are slowing down the decay of this world. And the more the church gets into revival and preaching the gospel, the greater chance we have of healing the world through our witness of the gospel. But you know, it's decaying awfully fast. I don't see it from our perspective at this point. I don't see it changing. But God has a plan. I think we're at the end days. I really do. I think we're, I think we're there. I see too much in place. We see, we see that they can make us that we can't spend money. We see that they can control us. And, you know, I'm a computer programmer. I, I understand AI pretty well. I actually practiced when I was in school writing AI programs. I understand AI. And I see the power of AI. Almost everything that's in today's world is run by AI. It's not run by people. It would be real easy for, all the, for a button to be twisted and have them say, okay, this is done, this is done, this is done. We need to be very careful. We are sitting right at the end time when it said you cannot buy or sell you know, without the mark of the beast. We're sitting right there at that time. We're sitting out there with the control of everything. You know, they know where you are. They know what you're doing. You know, every single car has GPS in it if it's not one of the ancient ones. Everybody carrying a phone has a GPS on it. They know exactly where you're at. And unfortunately, not to scare you all, because some of you don't like them in the first place, but they're also listening to you all the time. They're on. Especially your smartphones. Your dumb phones, you probably are not okay with. They just have GPS in them. But your smartphones all have listening capability. Why? Because they have assistance. Google. Alexa, 
They're all listening to you 100% of the time. Everything that you say in the presence of these AIs is heard and recorded. The Siri, if you're on the <laughs> on a Apple. You know, uh, not to scare us and not to say throw away our devices because I, you, know, you all know I'm very technology. I'm a computer person. I'm not going to throw it away until, it, until they start coming after me. Then my phone gets lost. Uh, but then I'd also have to lose my car because they can find me on my car too. So it's <laughs> yeah. But we are at an age where everything can be controlled, which fits right into what we were told at the end times. And we're going to be looking at it over the next two weeks, and then we're going to do an eschatology series after when, when, a, when a one of the classes is done. But we'll talk a lot about all of this stuff because it is a time that we need to be aware of what's coming down. What is coming down, not to scare us, I don't ever want us to be scared of technology and, and everything that's going on, but it is leading to the end times when Jesus is returning, which is a good news for us. He's going to return soon, and you know what? We get to go to heaven. We get to go to heaven without having to face death if that happens first. That's wonderful. But even if we have to face death, you know what? Death is not that big a deal for us as a Christian because it says to be absent from the body is to be present from the, with the Lord. So as soon as I face death, my, my spirit just leaves the body and it says, okay, do what you want with the body. Either way, we win. We get to go to heaven. You know, I used to love, and I've told you all this before, when I was in high school, I used to tell people, they're going, well, I'm going to kill you. I'm going, just do it right because I want to go to heaven. You know, do it right. Don't, don't injure me so I have to go to the hospital. If you're going to kill me, do it right. You know, uh, is that really our hope? Do we look at death as the greatest hope in us of Christianity? It's the best thing that can happen to us. Before death, we have to suffer in this world. Now, sometimes we suffer greater or lesser, but, you know, it doesn't matter. When we get to heaven, if we, if we remember earth at all, it will be what a terrible place that was. I am so glad to be in heaven. Have you ever gone on a vacation that you thought was going to be wonderful and it was, ended up being terrible? Everything went wrong. You say, I am so happy this vacation was over. I thought it was going to be a great vacation. I'm glad to be home. We're on that miserable vacation here on earth. I'm looking forward to going home. I am looking forward to going home, and I hope we all look forward to going home. And this is what Jesus is saying. Don't be deceived. I hear so many people that are afraid of death. It's the greatest deliverance that we can ever have is to go home, as long as we're a Christian. Now, if you're a non-Christian, then you better fear death because it's leading to something awful, you know, much worse because it's leading to hell. We need to be ready for the right existence. And this is where we're at you know, as we go forward in this. Where is our hope? Is our hope in Christ and the Spirit, or is our hope in programs? And I'm hoping that everybody in our church is always putting their hope in Christ and the Spirit. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to come before you. Lord, we ask that for anybody who doesn't know you, that they will come to you and they will, they will show, Lord, I am a sinner. I deserve punishment. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Come into my life and save me. And that they will share that with a Christian as they go forward. And Lord, for each one of us sitting in this room, Lord, help us to focus completely on you for all that we do, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, where will you be when you die? We ask this question of a lot of people oftentimes, and the biggest answer we'll get is, I hope I will be in heaven. If hope is your answer, you don't know God, and this is a problem. 
we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Their wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you do not know for sure that you're going to go into heaven, please today make your decision to follow him. It is simply just ask him, Lord, I am a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make him your Lord. If you've said that prayer, let us know so that we can send you a new believers packet. You can contact us at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or even pastor at chloridebaptistchurch.com or you can just send us a regular letter at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 86431. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day.